Well, the Bengals finally got around to signing a tight end. Plus, we'll talk more about Sidney Jones and the Bengals' visits as they remain active in late-stage free agency. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. We're going to talk about some of the Bengals' latest free agent moves today, including Irv Smith signing at tight end, Sidney Jones at corner, and a couple of free agent visits on the defensive line. You can subscribe to the podcast on YouTube, follow anywhere you get your podcast on an audio platform, and make us your first listen with all the other Bengals fans that do so, as we have you covered every day here on the Locked On Bengals podcast. And James... We've been wondering, as Steve Radichovich yesterday was looking down at his phone a few times saying, before we started recording, like, sorry, guys, if, I, if I'm looking at my phone, you know, there's some stuff that may be happening. And part of that was that they had a couple of visits, and that news was out shortly after we posted that episode yesterday with those defensive linemen that we'll talk about a little bit later. But maybe he was also looking for confirmation that didn't come until, what, midnight oh. Eastern time? Just Herb not Smith. to keep me awake in, in the, a lot of Bengals fans awake, but uh, I don't think they're complaining because, like you said, they finally addressed tight end. And when we were looking at the list of tight ends after Foster Moreau had to step away from football due to his illness, the, the name that kept popping was Irv Smith. That mm-hmm. was the one that was like, okay, here's an upside young receiving yep. tight end. And in many ways – for different reasons, but in many ways is very similar to the move the Bengals made signing Hayden Hurst last year. I don't think there's really a, an avenue to to disliking this deal unless you, you see the money and the numbers and they're crazy, which they won't be. What's not to like? This is a low-risk, high-reward, former second-round pick that runs extremely fast that has, has showed that he can be a capable blocker, but... Let's be honest here. He can catch and run, and the Bengals didn't have a tight end that could do that. <laughs> they did not. Like the bar went down pretty far when it came to what was on their roster. You, you have two guys that were on the practice squad and Devin Asiasi and Irv Smith. Yeah, there's an injury history, but it's not costing you much to get him. And so you get him, and maybe he does pop. How many times have we talked about tight ends? It takes a while. He's 24. He's a baby. He's Dalton Kincaid's age, which just to give you an idea, in entering year five in the NFL, and obviously he's had to overcome some injuries, but maybe this is the year that he stays healthy and contributes for 17 games and beyond for the Bengals. And even if you don't get that, if you get 13 to 14 games, which that's what you got from Hayden last year in, in the regular season. It was like 14, I believe, or 13. I think he missed three you would take that all day long. And so I I love the signing because it's low risk, high reward. And the other part of it, and we talked about this with Steve. And if you missed that episode on Tuesday, make sure you check it out on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Steve, Bengals head of pro scouting and personnel, just in case you don't know who Steve is. And the Bengals are a destination, Jake. Mm -hmm. Like that's the part of this that stands out as much as anything. 
and you can make the jokes and there's been plenty about how they're going to just get every tight end paid one year deal, one year deal, one year deal. I think that's very real, but I think the appeal of, of this Bengals team of the culture, people talk and I'll just use an example. Lyle Collins loves Zach Taylor in this coaching staff and being in Cincinnati and, and everything that came with it. And, Mid-season, when he was battling all that stuff and injuries and fighting through it and getting criticized, he did not hesitate to tell me how much he loved it here. And I, I think word travels and guys talk. And so it's not just Burrow. Part of it is Burrow for sure. But part of it is uh, the culture. And I, I just don't want to leave that by the wayside because Irv Smith had options and he decided to come to Cincinnati. Yeah, that was something that Peter Schrager mentioned, and I think he was the one that first tweeted about the news at... He did. What time was it? Just before midnight, 11.54 p.m. Ooh. last night, Eastern Time. It's a one-year deal, so not a long-term commitment to Irv Smith. And Schrager also tweeted, like you said, James, at the time that he, he broke the news, that he had multiple offers and chose to play for Cincinnati over the rest because of the opportunity to win and to play with Joe Burrow and... Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, et cetera. But you're right. Fits what Steve told us yesterday insofar as young player. He is older than than Dalton Kincaid by a year. So just, just to get that. Uh, They're both 24, right? Uh, Dalton Kincaid will be 23 and a half at the time he's drafted, according to what we have currently in the draft sheet. Gotcha. So unless okay. we have a wrong date of birth in there, 23 and a half at the time of the draft, which is about a month away. And Irv Smith was born, according to the dates of birth that I have available to me, a year and a couple months earlier. So just a small difference there in age. I just want to clarify because Either I'm going to have a Don Kincaid take later. And I don't want I don't want people to think Don Kincaid's turning 25 this year because he's not. Uh, but sure. Irv Smith is. Yeah, age 25 versus age 24. Regardless, yeah. the point anyway, stands. Is he's, he's very young. He's, he's young. Kincaid will be pushing 30 when he gets to his second contract. That's right which we'll talk about when we talk about tight ends and we'll talk about Dalton Kincaid, but fits the youth idea that Steve talked about is where I was starting with this point before I got on the uh, Dalton Kincaid uh, tangent there. Fits the you know, upside player, and, and this is where it's similar to Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst had upside because as a former first-round pick, you know there's a lot of talent there, right? Even if you think he was overdrafted, and a lot of people think Irv Smith was also overdrafted that year, there's talent there. There's clear receiving talent in both of these players. I think similar similar profiles as blockers. They both leave something to be desired as inline blockers in particular. Irv Smith can use his athleticism to his advantage when he gets into space, when he's blocking downfield on screens and that sort of thing. And I think they win in different ways. Irv Smith, undersized, faster, I think more of a technician is going to be able to do more to create separation against man coverage than Hayden Hurst could do but maybe isn't quite as reliable as a receiver outside his frame as Hayden Hurst was, where Hayden Hurst seems to be really comfortable catching the ball outside of his frame, good hands catcher. You know, there are a lot of people that will tell you about Irv Smith's drops this year. I asked uh, Luke Braun, who hosts Locked on Vikings. He's out of the country on vacation. And I also asked uh, Matthew Collier. Collier? Collier. I always struggle with his name. Collier, who covers the Vikings. And they said, so it's runs, not just football players that you struggle name. No, it's just names. Just people okay. runs routes like a receiver said, Matt uh, has grit to survive in blocking, able to stretch the field. Luke dripping with potential could be dope as hell to use Luke's words in a quote. 
So a lot of potential is, is something that we'll talk about a lot with him. And the injury history is obviously what we'll talk about with him. That was his limiting factor with Minnesota, where Hayden Hurst was. There were other tight ends that were really, really good in his situations. For Irv Smith, it, it's been dealing with injuries, and it's been different stuff. It's nothing that pops out to me as, as chronic. You know, there's groin muscle pulls, there's high ankle sprains, there, there's different stuff with him and nothing that's been recurring. So hopefully it's not just an injury-prone thing. And we've talked about this, you know, with Tyler Eifert over the years, where tight ends sometimes just pile up freak injuries. And that's mm -hmm. sometimes the nature of the position. But if he does stay healthy, there's so much to like in his game as a receiver. Love the way he runs routes, the suddenness as a route runner, and his ability to create separation, especially vertically. I think that there's a, a, a big element of, of vertical receiving to his game that Hayden Hurst did not bring for the Bengals. And that's exactly what the Bengals, they need to be more explosive, right? Outside of their, their top guys, because defenses are just going to sit, take those guys away and say, someone else do it. And so this is another guy that might be able to give you some big plays. I, uh, I look at it and, and yeah, would you have wanted Hurst to be more explosive? Well, sure. Sign me up for that. The, the thing that would concern you, like you said, with the, the injuries, Ankle last year, I believe it was knee before that, and that's where he missed an entire year. In his comeback trail, it was it was big. He was making the comeback, came back last year, and it just it didn't fully click, and then he got injured. So mm -hmm. we will see. But if anyone is is going to have success with a guy like Irv Smith, it's a guy like Joe Burrow. And by the way, did you see Jamar Chase's reaction posting not. the GIF of the kids dancing? Yeah, it, it's the the cafeteria, Jeff, where the kids are dancing and, and celebrating. He was excited about Irv Smith Jr. So how does that impact the tight end room moving forward? How does that impact the Bengals' draft plans? We will discuss how Irv Smith does that coming up next. Today's show brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is America's number one sports book in the tournament. Well, it is getting to... The really, really good part. Four teams remain, and right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. My buddy got in on the action with FanDuel's no-sweat first bet over the weekend, and he was one game away from hitting his parlay, and Texas blew it. Miami came back and won and advanced. Texas blew it. Well, guess what? He got right back in on the action the next day. Why? Because of a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 with FanDuel. So don't miss your shot. At a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Going to continue the Irv Smith conversation here for a little bit longer as it does probably have some impact on your draft plans, but we'll talk about the extent to which that will be a thing. Want to touch on Hayden Hurst just, just to finish some thoughts there in terms of the vertical ability just to put some stats around it. Hayden Hurst had two two deep targets last year he played a full season Irv Smith had two in his limited season you go back to 2020 when he played a little bit more he had six deep targets so generally speaking a, a lot more downfield uh I, I think on tape in terms of the ability to run those in breakers like double move post kind of stuff you'll see a lot in his highlights that that's what I'm looking for with with Irv Smith. The other big difference between these players is Irv Smith is 6'2", and uh, Hayden Hurst, a little bit bigger. 6'4", yeah. 
both guys a little bit undersized, but Irv Smith more so. And, and that's where you hear the, you know, Irv Smith as a, as a, you know, slot receiver type. That, that's where you hear that, you know, he can go out there, run routes like a receiver, be a big slot, create mismatches with his, with his bulk. And, and that's something that I think you can look at as well. With, with I don't think he's a bad angles. blocker, though. You know, Did I don't. Lot. Um, I don't. I don't think he's uh, an appreciably different blocker than than Hayden Hurst is. They're they're both guys that you don't really want blocking in line. They're not going to do a whole lot of you know take take away this defensive end on yourself, erase this defensive end on yourself, seal the backside by yourself kind of thing. They'll do it from time to time, but mostly you're going to try to get them on the move, try to get them in space. I think it's a similar idea for both guys. Sure, but that was such a concern last year, right? With her, it's like, oh, he can't block. It's going to be so telling. But the Bengals, there was a clear drop-off when Hurst wasn't on the field at tight end. And so getting a guy that can do that and just do what Hurst did, which I think is realistic. I think that's a realistic expectation. Then it opens up the door. for what If he's healthy, though, right? Sure, yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, here's the thing with that. Everybody. That goes for Everybody. That goes for Jamar Chase's hip and, it, you know, the little nagging things teased out with hamstring-wise and, and soft tissue-wise. And I get it. The, you know, Irv Smith, the reason Irv Smith didn't sign a huge deal is because he didn't get to produce because he was injured. And, and so in this offense, there's a, a reason to believe that he can produce at the level that the Bengals will ask their tight ends to produce. The only- not, more, not more than that. I'm not saying he's going to be a pro bowler or a 1,000-yard receiver or anything like that. But can he go get you – 50 catches for six, 600 plus yards and, and do that. If you need him to, I think if he's healthy, yeah. Yeah. The reason you bring it up is because he's had the issues throughout his career, obviously. Sure. Um, I mean, two years, it's really two years that were a thousand yards also, by the way, would be, I think the first thousand yard tight end in Bengals history, unless Trumpy went right over a thousand. I think his high was like 900 something. Uh, Bengals have I, never had, Big, big, you know, volume. Trumpy's highest was eight thirty-five in in year in nineteen sixty-nine. And I know Gresham. Uh, somebody somebody posted this on Twitter today. I know Gresham had a couple years over five hundred. Eifert had a year over five hundred for sure in recent history. But over five hundred seems to be, you know, somewhat rare in Bengals history. And I, I wish I could find the tweet and give the person credit. Uh, I'll, I'll try to retweet it on my feed later. Uh, let's talk a little bit about how this Dan, impacts. Dan Ross had the most. I was like, uh, Dan Ross had 910 in their Super Bowl year. Uh, yeah, in uh, 1981. So, there you go. But Trumpy was right behind him. So let's so talk a little bit about. Of that, of that list, it's just funny. Jermaine Gresham's fifth with 737. Rodney Holman's sixth. Ross again. Trumpy again. Eifert way down there at 615. He didn't get used right. He was he was always injured, and then he was never like a volume guy. Had a bunch of touchdowns that year, though, in 2015. Generally speaking, the modern Bengals are not a high-volume tight end offense, but they also have never really had the high-volume tight end outside of Eifert if he had managed to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Talk about freak injuries. Let's talk a little bit about how this might impact the Bengals' draft plans. I would say... It shouldn't impact them very much. This is a one-year deal for Irv Smith. This is a guy who hasn't been able to stay on the field. We talked about, for example, a huge plus with Orlando Brown is that he has been healthy throughout his Mm -hmm. career. And Mm -hmm. you expect him 
to continue to stay healthy throughout his career. Hasn't been the case for Irv Smith, missing an entire year and dealing with uh, some continued injuries in 2022. So, that being said, you still probably want a guy to go with Irv Smith who you feel comfortable being out there for a whole lot of snaps Mm -hmm. in the case that you need him to. And beyond that, the conversation is, okay, maybe you assume Irv Smith is healthy. How does that impact what kind of tight end the Bengals want to pick? How does the short-term, long-term come into play, right? Because you have Irv Smith for one year. Say you really like Dalton Kincaid. Say you clear his back up and, and you're not worried about his injury hypothetically and Dalton Kincaid's available to you and you're picking between Dalton Kincaid and somebody else and you're thinking, okay, can I put Dalton Kincaid and Irv Smith on the field at the same time and feel really good about that a whole lot this year? Or is that a little redundant? They're similarly sized. Uh, Kincaid's a little bit taller. I think he was 6'4", right? 6'3 and a half. So similar height, similar builds. Or, or do you need a guy that you feel better about blocking? And, and so that's like the short versus long term. And, and how much does what you get out of these guys this year matter in terms of your personnel groupings and what you want to do with those guys? If you think Dalton Kincaid is going to be this stud pass catcher, then it doesn't matter. Irv Smith is irrelevant, to be honest. I, I think what Irv Smith Jr. does is it takes a little pressure off because that was by far the Bengals' worst position group. Like, by far. It's Devin Asiasi and two practice squatters that that weren't even on – at least one wasn't on the, the practice squad the entire year. So it's just – it's tough. And, and so you don't want to go into the draft thinking, okay, you got to have it by this spot or it's just – that whole position is a dark hole and black hole. And if you would have said going into this free agents free agency cycle that the Bengals got Irv Smith Jr. and that was their tight end, I don't think that would have been there's questions, right, about the injury and stuff like that, but I don't think it would have been my oh man, they it's the biggest need on the team still. It might be, and they may address it at the pick twenty eight, but they may also wait until round three or four to address tight end depending on how the board falls. And I think that's ultimately what this signing does. It opens up the board a bit. You don't feel the pressure, the weight of literally the worst position group on the team uh, weighing you down as you go into the draft. At the same time, if the right guy's there, if Dalton Kincaid can be that guy and you think he's a stud, you still take him at 28, regardless of, honestly, regardless of how he fits with Irv Smith. Because Irv Smith his goal, the reason he's coming to Cincinnati is to show he can stay healthy, produce a bit, and, and probably sign elsewhere. And the Bengals know that. It's a hired gun at tight end. And, and who knows? Maybe not. Maybe he stays in Cincinnati long term. But I don't think you can allow that to say, all right, Darnell Washington fits better because he's more of a blocking tight end. Let's draft him instead of Kincaid, who's more of the receiver. If you like Kincaid better, take Kincaid. Don't let Irv Smith's fit impact things. Yeah, I, I don't think that Irv Smith, one-year deal, a guy that's been injury-prone, bottom line, should not impact your draft points, period. That's that's kind of the end of the story. I would say the same thing about Sidney Jones, should not impact your draft plans. But what they do, as he said, is they provide depth, they provide, in the case of Irv Smith, a guy that can be a starter and gives you less desperation, like you don't mm-hmm. – they didn't have a starter at tight end on the roster. Yeah. Now they have a guy that at least hypothetically should be able to start in the way that Hayden Hurst was able to start 
for them last year. And they might not be done. They're still having players in on visits, James, and they signed Ooh. another free agent uh, on Monday. We'll talk a little bit about Sidney Jones and those visits to finish the show next. Sidney Jones fits much like, uh, you, you know, a lot of these guys, and we talked to Steve Radicevich about this, but the age part of it, Irv Smith Jr. and Sidney Jones, both, I, I would say that the front office looks at it as low risk moves for guys that could be entering their prime, could be ascending. And that's how he describes Sidney Jones. And I like that signing a lot too. Now that doesn't mean he's going to go out there and be a star, but when it comes to, to depth, adding a guy like Jones, I think that's big. And I think obviously Irv Smith Jr. is big. I feel a little, honestly, I'm surprised about how different I feel, but I feel pretty different about uh, the Bengals over the past couple of days, just getting guys like this. I know they're not stars, but when you add quality players and we know how close and how tight these games get when you're in the AFC championship or you're in the divisional round or in the Super Bowl, I think every little edge makes a difference, and these two guys make them better. Yeah, they feel they filled two spots where we knew they needed to make a move one way or another. They filled a couple of the, the holes that we were waiting for them to fill with some of the players based on who was out there that seemed like some of the, the guys that we've been talking about. Often they're signing guys we haven't been talking about. And, for example, the two guys they had in on visits on Monday, Terrell Basham or Ter- 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 Terrell Basham and Contavia Street, We've not Zeke Elliott? Ze- oh, no, not Zeke. Okay. I was just... Yet. Yeah, you, you can't let Yet? it die. It's fine. Uh, Yet? Terrell Basham and Contavious Street were in for visits. Guys that we haven't been talking about, right? But Sidney Jones, the guy that we talked about last year when he was waived by the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. The Bengals didn't claim him. He had a bigger cap hit at, at the time. But also they didn't sign him after the fact when he was just a street free agent. He went to Vegas. And maybe he... Maybe he didn't want to uh, to come here with no clear. There's no clear role. They, like they probably wanted to to pivot to Cam Taylor Britt a bit, and so he might not have had the options. Maybe he had options for playing time with the Raiders. Who knows? You never know what goes into that. He he did hardly play for the Raiders. He didn't get onto the field until week ten. He he played. They may have told him though. Snaps. You know. I know he didn't play much, but who knows. Who knows, indeed, he will be in the Bengals' cornerback room as depth. He's a guy that was good in 2021, was a guy that graded out well in terms of the the draft process, in terms of all the things you look at for a draft player's, uh, for, for a prospect's profile in the draft. Is a guy that, you know, like you talked about, has some upside left, was another second-round pick that, the Bengals signing former second-round picks instead of former first-round picks this year at, at a lot of spots. And, and Sidney Jones joins that trend. And like you mentioned, James as well, turning 27 in May, sticks with the themes for the Bengals and fills a needed hole. Steve talked about, you know, Eli Apple still out there, which to me suggests that, you know, he's not expected to be back. Some people took that the other way. Some people took it to mean that, they're expecting him back because he was brought up by name. But I think that this is that role for, for Jones where he is the fourth corner on the depth chart when Cheeto's healthy and represents a, a bit of a, a high upside gamble, low, low cost gamble, right? This is a guy that has experience and, and has some of the traits that you look for to be a guy who can play some snaps for you when you need him to. 
Yep. The Eli Apple, it's unlikely as of now. I don't see the spot. I just don't. And you have your nickel corner spots are, are set. You have your, your guy in Cheeto, who's your number one, who I would be surprised, and this is unrealistic and unfair to him, but he's just such a freak. Like, he's such a freak athlete. Like, it's just looking at him. He's big. He's tough, strong, moves crazy. I, I just expect him to be okay. And, and to, you know, maybe not be fully Cheeto, but I mean fully recovered to, to play on the field. So we'll see if he can. But if not, what's the incentive for Eli Apple to come back? to compete with Sidney Jones and or a rookie. I, I think that he's going to be out there until after the draft. And then maybe if the Bengals don't take a corner early in the draft, they make a, a call to Eli. But maybe Eli won, wanted a different situation and he's holding out to go elsewhere. That, that's maybe how I took wants, that from Steve, by the way. That's maybe. how I took that is. He's still out there trying to get something that the Bengals didn't want to give him. Yeah, that, that's how I took reason. it. Is, yeah. is the Bengals have their values. They're sticking to their numbers. Eli doesn't want that number. He's trying to get a bigger number somewhere else or a similar number with more playing time opportunities. And mm -hmm. that hasn't presented itself to him yet. Wouldn't surprise me to see Eli Apple return, Eli Apple return later in the offseason. But for now, uh, it looks like to me that's, that's the Sidney Jones role. But, you know, we, we've seen the Bengals continue to add corner depth. They, they talk all the time about how you can't have too many defensive backs. So shouldn't surprise anybody if Eli Apple's name comes up again later in the offseason. The Bengals also had a couple defensive linemen in, James. Contavious Street, three-tech defensive tackle, played most recently for the Saints for a year, was with the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, from 2019 to 2021, was in the 2018 draft class, as was B.J. Hill, was drafted about 60 picks later than B.J. Hill. Why do I keep mentioning B.J. Hill? Well, they played for the same team. They're both mm. NC State guys. They played together there. And then Terrell Basham, of course. Jermaine Ohio. Pratt, too. Just to yeah, they must, have, they must have also overlapped. Yep. That, would make, that would make sense. Terrell Basham uh, from Ohio, another Athens connection. For the Bengals, a little bit older, 29, Contavia Street, 26 uh, at the end of March in just a day. That's his birthday tomorrow, actually, I think, or maybe today as you listen to this. Basham's jumped around the NFL, Indianapolis, New York Jets, Dallas, and the Tennessee Titans would be a rotational pass rusher. Both of these guys would be kind of rotational pass rush pieces. Seems to be their calling card in terms of their, their usage over their time in the NFL and the Bengals, this is something that we've been talking about for them all offseason as well. Wouldn't surprise me to see them sign a guy like this as they continue to look for a little bit more on the defensive line. The the Basham one's interesting because Jimmy Burrow coached him at OU. Hmm. So so there is that tie there. And then obviously you mentioned Contavia Street. That is a, a pretty awesome name for any type of football player. I'll, I'll throw that out there. But defensive lineman, Contavia Street, it sounds like something from Friday Night Lights. And there was a street in Friday Night Lights. But that said, I the Bengals are at least open to spending a little something on the defensive line. I didn't think they would at all. Like, And it's not going to cost much, neither of these guys. But they're spending a lot of money there. And you, you just have to look at how they've put the resources into things. So we'll see. But if you can get one of these guys, bolster the depth a little bit in the trenches, I'm not going to be mad. I'm not going to complain about it. Also, has, has, is Zeke visiting yet? 
just no. I was going to bring it up myself, sort of. Uh, I was going to mention that you know we also talked with Steve about you know you guys still looking at you know some of these some of these veteran additions in some of these spots, and Irv Smith signed what eight hours later. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Seven hours after we talked to him, and at least agreed, he hasn't signed. I, don't I guess he hasn't. Yes. He hasn't officially yes. signed. Agreed to terms, um, and we know they're looking at defensive linemen. We don't know what running back they're looking at, but it sounds like something they're still open to. This is a really, really deep draft at running back, though. It is, but the one thing Steve mentioned was it's it's hard to find that veteran blocker that, that can be that that veteran blocking presence. And in this offense where you're throwing it, throwing it a ton, that matters at least a little bit. And they're aware of it. It might not that's, be easy. It might be. Maybe it is. Maybe they're, but you, are you trusting them from day one? Yep. Maybe day 367, day one. Oh, I'm trusting him. He looks oh, like yeah. Samaj Piran. He's Samaj Piran, but a little bit more athletic. But rookie Samaj Piran wasn't the pass blocker that, but he Piran looked like current Samaj P. Ryan as a pass blocker. Uh, all right. He looked good. Right. I'm not saying he didn't look good. Joe Mixon looked good as a pass blocker in college. Well, I mean. He did everything in college. Mixon was such a freak in college. There's, there's, there's just like he, he's asked to do it. He's doing things that look like pro style. I see what you're saying. Pass protection. I mean, they use him as a lead blocker too, because obviously, you know, they, they like him as a player and they have Bijan Robinson. So he's out there just take playing both. fullback. Bijan Robinson and John, just take both. Bijan round one and uh, Johnson round five. Johnson in the fourth or fifth. Yeah. Let's roll. Could, could be a veteran too. You mentioned Zeke. There's a bunch of other guys out there that they could be talking to. Lots of oh, free agent sure. running backs still available. And when you're talking about this tier of free agent running back, because I'm looking at the list, not a whole lot differentiates these guys. So probably not a huge rush to get a deal done. Probably looking at a veteran minimum deal. And, and that's the thing with Zeke is how much money would he want. But he he got he, the bag. That's the other part about this. This dude, if he wants Cincinnati, you're yeah, gonna have to come here and not make money. He should care. Right. Well, yeah, but sometimes maybe it's two more million dollars offered elsewhere and he does it right. But he named the Bengals like to Adam Schefter. More than likely, his, na- his agent was like, yeah, Cincinnati. That, that, we, we would go there. So he's interested. So what does that mean for what kind of money he would take? Yeah. Is it mutual? I think it would be – I'll say this. I'm comfortable saying this. The Bengals would be crazy if Zeke is willing to just take a vet minimum type deal. They'd be crazy not to at least bring him in for a visit to talk to him. He might not be willing to. He may be saying four or five million, you know, I'm Ezekiel Elliott. Well, that's stupid, Zeke. Sorry. It's not 2017. Yeah. I mean, like like you said, like Steve said, they got guys calling them this year. Mm-hmm. And apparently last year sounds like as well, which makes sense because they were coming off a Super Bowl that they were very close to winning. And, uh, you know, it's got to be making his life a little bit easier. And maybe that's what happened with Irv Smith. Who knows? That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. The Bengals keep churning in free agency as the pickings are slim, but there's still some guys out there that can help them be a better team, can help alleviate draft pressure, all those sorts of things. And as they continue to make moves, we'll continue to keep you posted here on Lockdown Bengals. Until next time, day and have a good one.